Welcome home to week two of our teaching series, At the Table. This is such a substantial understanding regarding Jesus and the various ways that he literally changed the world sitting around the table and sharing a meal. Here in week two, we'll take a look at another life-altering meal that Jesus has in Luke chapter 19. Take a look with me. Beginning in verse 1, it says, He entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was chief tax collector and was wealthy. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he couldn't see because he was small in stature. So he ran up ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come on down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, here in this wonderful picture, I want you to see that Zacchaeus is in the tree because he can't see. It reminds me of the kid's story. You know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he, and he climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior walked that way, he looked up in the tree, and he said, and how do you remember it as a kid? Here's how I remember it. Zacchaeus, get your hind parts down here. You are so busted. But Jesus didn't look at it that way. He stopped, I believe, and he said, Zacchaeus, hey, bud, come on down. Let's go to your house, have a burger, sit down. Let's chat about stuff. And Zacchaeus came on down, and away they went. You know, around the table in the house with Zacchaeus, no one is beyond the saving grace of Jesus, is he? Think about that. That Nobody is beyond Christ's reach or Christ's love, no matter what they've done, no matter how many times they've cheated or lied or stolen. But Zacchaeus is about to learn that he has a problem. Now, back in 2014, there was a Southwest air flight that was leaving Chicago on its way to Dallas, but they had to stop in Branson, Missouri along the way, drop a few people off, pick a few people up, and head to Dallas. They're running late, and so the captain and the crew are in a hurry, and so they take off and they head south, and as they head into Branson, they start to fly into the airport, and sure enough, they hit the runway just fine, and all of a sudden, they realize They have stopped at a small, tiny little airport that has a runway that is clearly 5,000 feet shorter than they need it to be. And so they hit the runway, and the pilot has to put up the flaps, hit the brakes, and they go all the way down, screeching to the end of the runway and barely make it. You know what the pilot said to the, the tower as he got in and he could see they'd made the mistake? He said, we have a big problem. Well, Zacchaeus is about to learn that he has a bigger problem than he thought. Zacchaeus realized, I think that the same was true for him. He didn't have a runway, but he had to come down out of the tree. 
He had a big problem in front of a big crowd, and this was his moment. And all of a sudden, Jesus looks at him and says, hey, man, come on down. Let's go to your house, sit down, chill out, have a meal, let's talk. He's a small dude, and he can't see over the crowd, and so he runs ahead and he climbs into the tree. It's the story of Zacchaeus. But the real story isn't the tree. The real story happens at the table. Zacchaeus has this interest in Jesus. I think that's how the Lord works. We look for things. I know today in the middle of this COVID-19 mess, people are looking for truth and hope in all kinds of ways. And many are finding that in Jesus himself because that's where we find hope. He wanted to see who Jesus was. And so he climbs up into the tree to see Jesus, but he finds out that day that he has a much bigger problem than just being short. He finds out that he he has to have a relationship with the Lord. Zacchaeus, he was not a good dude, y'all. He was a tax collector. And a tax collector in that time was known for being cheaters and thieves. But he's not just any tax collector. He's the chief tax collector, the one that we're all told about in the scripture. Can you just imagine how upset the religious leaders were? Oh, my stars. This Jesus of Nazareth, has, is, he's going to eat at a known thief's home. He's going to have dinner and seat at the table with this creep. There's nothing about Zacchaeus that would make him attractive to Jesus or his followers. But hear this. Before you knew Jesus, there was nothing in you that made you attractive to Jesus. That's what's so special about the story of the gospel. And if you don't know that you're a sinner and you don't know that Jesus forgives sins and saves people from their sins, then I want you to hear that today because those are truly the facts. We all have the same exact big problem that Zacchaeus had that day. It's actually the biggest problem in the universe. It is us, me and you, breaking the law of God and sinning against our creator. But the Bible's full of different accounts of people that found salvation that you and I would have written off a long time ago. They are murderers, greedy people, drunkards, liars, thieves, addicts, gossipers, idol worshipers, adulterers, selfish people, scared people, and even self-righteous people. Those are the folks that Jesus came to save from their sins. Folks just like me and you. But it was pretty scandalous for Jesus to stop and go have dinner at this filthy, stinking, lying, no good, cheater, and thief. Scandalous to sit at the table with this horrific person. There's nobody who is outside the grace of Jesus, though. So we should aggressively pray for the lost. They are everywhere. There are people in your life that you might think there's no way, but friend, don't forget that there was a time that someone once prayed for you. We should pray for the lost, and we should celebrate when they come to faith in Christ. We should celebrate when people are saved. We should get fired up and get thrilled because Jesus rescues terrible people like us. Romans 5 tells us, beginning in verse 6, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. 
Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Oh, so much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Paul writes that we were weak, we were sinners, and we were enemies with God. And Jesus died for us. We, we can't lose sight of that. We are unlikely people that Jesus came to die for. But that begs the question, if no one is beyond the saving grace of Jesus, we ought to ask, how then do we respond to Jesus? Let's stop for just a minute and take a break. And I invite you during this time to prayerfully consider how you could jump in, come down from the tree, and join Jesus in the work of reconciling people and serving people in his name. Come now, fount of every blessing Tune my heart to sing thy grace Streams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs of loudest praise Teach me some melodious sonnet Sung by flaming tongues above Praise the mountain fixed upon it Mount of thy redeeming love And here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. And Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. To rescue me from danger Interposed his precious blood No to grace how great a debtor Daily I'm constrained to be let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. I'm prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. I'm prone to leave the God I love. So take my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above Here's my heart, Lord Take and seal it 
You know, the second point I want us to look at is found in verse 6 through verse 8 of our text. And that is, what is our response to Jesus? We see two responses from Zacchaeus here. One in verse 6, so he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And then in verse 8, and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor, and I have, if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Zacchaeus was fired up about his salvation. Here's a question for you. Are you fired up at all about your salvation in Jesus? I want to give you four reasons why you should be fired up about Jesus in your life and your salvation, because we have a big problem, and it's sin, and it's a curse of death. Yet in our salvation, Jesus has overcome our biggest problem. The second reason we should be fired up in this world, in these times, is that we can struggle with feeling loved or valued. And when we look at our salvation, we can rejoice and know that we are the adopted children of God. If you've ever struggled with feeling loved or valued or feel lonely, you can remember your salvation and know that God will never leave you or forsake you. You are his masterpiece and he loves you unconditionally. Third, we have reason for joy because in Jesus, we have a friend that will stick closer than a brother. And four, you can be joyful in your salvation because when Satan whispers in your ear that you're not worthy, that you're guilty, that you can't get fired up about your salvation, you know what you can say? No, Satan, I was guilty, but I am also now forgiven. So the joy of Zacchaeus in a dinner that he had no idea that he was going to host, Jesus delivers Zacchaeus from death to life. Friend, let me remind you, no one is beyond the saving grace of Jesus. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, how do we respond to Jesus? We celebrate, and we, like Zacchaeus at dinner, respond to, to action. We, we get after it. The other response is that of action that he had. In verse 8, do you see what Zacchaeus is doing? He's immediately responding, and immediately starts paying back changing the way that he's living because he knows that if he's going to be a follower of Jesus, that will affect every part of his life forever. You cannot love God and this world, friend. You see it in the Ten Commandments. You've got the preamble to the Ten Commandments where God says, I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Therefore, have no other gods before me. You see it throughout the writings in the New Testament. In the beginning of Colossians chapter 3, it says, Since you have been raised by God, therefore, and it starts telling you how we should pursue holiness. And the entire book of Ephesians is written that way. The first three chapters, the entire book of Ephesians is the glorious letter about how we have been saved. And then the final three chapters are a wonderful application of what we should be doing and how we should be applying that to our salvation. God has given us his law for a purpose. The law is there to be a mirror of God's holiness and our unrighteousness so that we know that we need a savior. It's there because it helps restrain against sin and evil. And it's there because it reveals what God is, what is pleasing to God and what is offensive to God. 
and how we are to respond. Friends, we can't forget the third issue of the law. It's critical for us as followers of Jesus that we are to respond to our salvation by pursuing holiness. Jesus came to seek and to save. Take a look at verses 9 and 10. They say again, and Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Today at the table, salvation came to that house. No truer words have ever been spoken for salvation had come to the house of Zacchaeus. And his name is Jesus. When Jesus comes into our life at the table, he comes into every part of our life. He died for our sins and he sent his spirit to dwell within us. When we confess that Jesus is our savior, we're confessing that he's also our sustainer. Jesus is not a repairman that comes into our lives and fixes all of our problems and leaves. Jesus gives us his spirit so that we can be guided and comforted and loved continually. Today, salvation has come to this house and it makes all the difference in the world. And then finally in verse 10, Jesus says, the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. You know, it's a simple message, but it's a gigantic point. It's a summary statement of Jesus's entire ministry. I have come to seek and save the lost. Now, the second person of the Trinity took on flesh for all eternity because he wanted to save the lost, me and you. Do you remember where Jesus was when this took place? He's in Jericho. He's an eight-hour walk away from Jerusalem. It's a long day's trip. The next day, Jesus is entering Jerusalem for the final time. In a week's time, he'd be crucified. So as Jesus is standing there, and he's only a week away from the cross, he is there with Zacchaeus sharing a meal at the table, celebrating Zacchaeus' salvation. Today, salvation has come to this house. And in one week, salvation will be paid for in full. Zacchaeus thought he had a small problem, but what he learned that day was that his problems were far too big for him to handle. Do you know this? Do you know it to be true? Do you know that you cannot save yourself? Here's some good news. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to handle our biggest problem. So sit down at the table with Jesus today and let him solve your biggest problem. Let's pray. God, today, Many people watching and participating in this are thinking to themselves, I, I've got a problem, I've got a big problem and I can't solve it on my own. So Jesus, I ask you to come and step into my life and let me lay my problems and my sin at your feet so that you can clean them up, make them right and give me your gift of your Holy Spirit. God, I wanna make a U-turn in my life. I wanna serve you, not me. And God, I wanna thank you that the Lord came and he lived this life and he gave his life and he rose from the dead for me. Friend, let me just encourage you to let Jesus go before you and make a way and make your crooked path straight. Let him go within you and bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment because he is always good and you are always loved. And my friend, hop on the back of Jesus when life is difficult like it is now 
and let him carry you through the middle of this coronavirus only to set you down victoriously and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead and wrap his loving arms around you so you can hear him say face to face, my child, say it with me, I love you. God bless you, friend. Thanks for joining us today at the table. Go in peace. Well, thank you guys so much for watching. We have thoroughly enjoyed hanging out with you all. Hey, I don't want anybody to feel like we may make light of this time. This is definitely a challenging time. And if you ever find yourself in need of prayer, we would love to have some prayer with you. So why don't you go ahead and submit a prayer request in the comments. Or if you feel like being more discreet, you could always email us at prayer at sugarhillchurch.com. Guys, we love you all so much. God is on the move and he's not going to stop just because of this. We'll see you guys at 7 on Wednesday for our midweek service, and then we'll all see you next week. Till then, go in peace.